Good morning, Radiate. Man, we are so glad that you have joined us on our digital experience today. Man, what a day it's already been with worship. <clears throat> our hosts are having a blast uh, today, this day after Christmas Day. And um, we know that there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people watching all over in different states and different areas. And we're just so excited. So please, we, we invite you to share this link and get this message out and, and be a part of it. Uh, I know our hosts have, have told you how to give and our worship team has led you into worship where you are today. I truly hope you and your, your family had an amazing Christmas uh, this past uh, yesterday, actually. An amazing Christmas day as you got to spend some time with family and friends and open gifts and give gifts and eat a lot and have a lot of fun, but more importantly, celebrate Jesus. And uh, so we wanted to take today and just do a digital experience uh, to learn about Jesus, celebrate Jesus uh, continually, and have fun today with our digital community. So we're honored you're with us, and I uh, want to let you know right off the bat that next Sunday, January the 2nd, we will be back in person in the room uh, at 105 Sparkleberry Crossing Road uh, in Columbia at 8.30, 10.00, to kick off the new year for 2022. It's going to be an amazing time, and we cannot wait to pack that out. We want you to be there. Bring your friends. Bring your family. Let's start the year off right. We start a brand new series next week called Win the Year. Win the Year. It's going to be so good as we celebrate together and worship Together. Hey, today I want to actually continue the Christmas story for a second because there's some amazing similarities uh, to the Christmas story now or, or what was and uh, to what's to come with Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, let's just catch up real quick. If you're a follower of Jesus, what you have to know is that there is a second coming of Jesus. He's coming again to rescue his church and rescue his bride, but that actually relates to the Christmas story. So many of you read the Christmas story yesterday to your friends and your family. I want to go to a verse. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 27. Uh, we hit on it a couple of weeks ago as we talked about Mary and Joseph in the Flipping Christmas series. Uh, and it says this, Luke chapter 1, verse 27, says, To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, nothing super special about that, except if you go to one of the original translations, If you, mine is the New American Standard, but if you go to different translations and you read that, and honestly, if you go back to an original translation, you read the word engaged as the word betrothed, B-E-T-R-O-T-H-E-D, betrothed. So what does betrothed mean? Betrothed means to be engaged. Well, the issue here is there something, if we only look at it as an engagement, we miss an incredibly, um, an incredibly fascinating part of the story. I, I, I kind of want to break down what's called the betrothal process with you today, make some correlations and distinctions for our future, and how all that relates to our present, right? So what are we supposed to do today in moving forward? So let, let's go to that, right? So let's look at the betrothal process. So I'm going to draw it out on the board uh, to look like this. So we're going to do this, and we're going to write Joseph right here, right? So you go to the betrothal process. You get engaged uh, to each other, and the betrothal process is, is Joseph, or the groom, uh, would make the agreement with the bride's father of how much and what needs to be there, 
And then he would go and do something that they traditionally called is they would go and prepare a place. All right. And so here's what prepare a place. Here, I'm going to write the scripture right here so you can uh, go back and reference it on your own as well. Go back and, and prepare a place. What does that look like? So what would literally happen is Joseph or the groom would go, uh, the future groom, would go back to his father's house to where he grew up, and he would literally begin to build. He would build a room onto that house where the future groom and the future bride would go and they would sit and they would enjoy and they would live. That's where they'd have their kids. That's where they'd begin their family. That's where they'd begin their lives, right? So they'd go and prepare a place. So literally when it says that he's betrothed to Mary, the reason Joseph is gone during that process where the angel shows up, Gabriel shows up, and then she goes and sees Elizabeth and all this stuff, the reason Joseph's nowhere to be found is because he is gone. He is preparing a place. He's not here anymore. So then what would happen is he'd go and prepare a place, and he's working with his father during all this stuff, and the father would watch what was going on. And the father would watch the finances, and he'd watch the maturity, and he'd watch the completion of the place, and all this stuff. And he would go, and there was a moment at any time where he would say, Son, when the father felt comfortable, son, go get your bride. So the father would then, let me write it down this way, the father would decide when to go. And so the groom didn't go, okay, I'm done. I'm finished. I painted the last wall. I put the last piece of straw on the roof. Now I'm ready to go get my bride. He'd go to his father, and his father would tell him, yeah, you're ready, or no, you're not. And when he was ready, the traditional customary phrase was, son, go get your bride. So then Joseph is preparing a place. He's working with his father uh, to know when it's time to go get his bride, as we know, is named Mary. And so as he's doing this, he's working with his father. And then what would happen is whenever the father finally says, okay, son, the bride is ready, you're ready, Let's, let's reunite and begin a whole new celebration. And they would begin partying. I mean, they would party during this season. And when Joseph would leave where the place he's preparing, he'd go and go get his bride. And what would begin to take place is when he goes back into town, he doesn't quietly go back into town. There is a celebration uh, that would take place in the town of his return. And what would happen is he would come down and people would go crazy. People would party, people would shout, people would exclaim, you know, the excitement that they have for the fact that the, bride, the groom is now coming back for his bride and they're going to lovingly uh, uh, begin the wedding ceremony, which there's a lot of semblance there in that whole process as well. But they would lovingly uh, leave the town and begin a wedding ceremony, and, and they would begin their life together, and they go back to the place where the groom has prepared. There's so much in there, I, I can't get into it all. But I want us to look at this, and then I want us to look at the correlation on this side, right? And this side is going to be... Jesus, right? And so I want us to look at this side real quick, and, and it's going to fascinate you to see the parallels, if you will, of these three 
with Joseph to Jesus. Watch this. So in John, let's go to John. Um, let's go to the book of John. Let's go to chapter 14 in verses 2 through 3. All right? And in John chapter 14, verses 2 through 3, it says this. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. This is Jesus talking about going back to heaven and what it looks like to be in heaven with God our Father. It says, in my Father's house, God's house, in my Father's house in heaven, there are many dwelling places or rooms. If it were not so, watch this, I would have told you. For I go to what? I go to prepare a place. Wow. Did you catch that? Joseph goes to prepare a place for Mary in the betrothal process. Jesus is betrothed to you and me, which we'll talk about in a minute. And he's going to prepare a place for who? For you and for me. Watch this. Let's keep reading. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also, let's write this down, John, so you, so you can go back, 14, 2 through 3. Isn't it amazing? Joseph goes to prepare a place, and Jesus is preparing a place. If you are in love with the one that you're engaged with to continue your life together, to begin a life, a brand new life together, what happens? You go to prepare a place where you can be reunited together. Jesus claims it right there. It's in red letters in John chapter 14 verses 2 through 3. He goes, hey, I, there's many dwelling houses. Think about it like this, dwelling places. Where does, where does the groom go to prepare a place? His father's house. What does he do? He adds a room to his father's house. Isn't it incredible that Jesus says there's many rooms in my father's house? Why? Because he's preparing a place for me and for you and for your friends and your neighbors, for the people you like and the people you don't, for the strangers that get on your nerves, for the politicians that you don't agree with, for the vaccinated, the unvaccinated, all this stuff. He's preparing a place for us. Why? Because he loves us, because he's committed to us, and because he wants to live with us forever. There's many dwelling places, so he's creating many rooms. Let's keep going, though, because there's, there's so much more in this, in this whole thing. So let's flip over to the book of Mark. So you got Matthew, and then you got Mark. Let's go to Mark, okay? And let's go to chapter 13. And let's go to um, Mark chapter 13, verse 32. And it says this, but of that day or hour, he's talking about when Jesus is talking about when he is going to return back after being with the Father, after being at his right hand in heaven, he's uh, resurrected and ascended. He's calling his own shot, and he says, but of that day when I return, no one knows, watch this, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. Who is the Son? He's the Son. So Jesus is saying, nobody knows when that day is going to come. Not angels who are around the throne, not Jesus himself, but who? 
the Father, the Father alone decides. Wow. And that's Mark chapter 13, verse 32. What, let's, let's look at this. So we see the betrothal process. The, the, the groom goes, prepares a place, and he begins working with the father. The father decides, son, go get your bride. It's time. Everything's in place. The room looks great. Your finances are in order. You've got maturity. You're good. You're okay. I'm proud of you. It's time. Go get your bride. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place And he says, I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father, and I'm going to work, I'm going to intercede on behalf of you in heaven next to my father. What does that mean? He's going to talk. Here's what you need to know. I don't care who you are or what you've done in your life. God is Jesus is talking about you to God today. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father talking about you today. And he's talking about how much he loves you. And he's talking about how much he wants to be with you. He's talking about the place that he's preparing for you. And when the time comes, when it's time. And and listen, we can spend all of our years trying to figure out when Jesus is returning. But there is not one person on the face of the planet. There is not one angel. There is not one person. There is not one son named Jesus that knows when that day is. Only the Father decides. Not you and not me but only the father goes son go get your bride because who's the bride us his church we are his bride but let's keep going because there's even more there's even more flip over with me to revelation chapter 1 verse 7 because what happens the father decides the groom goes back into town celebration breaks out people are responding they see him coming they're excited what does revelation chapter 1 verse 7 say revelation is, is God's vision to John about what's going to take place in the second coming, right? And here's what it says in verse 7. It says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and what? Every eye will see him. And even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Everyone will see or celebrate his return. Whoa, come on, somebody. Because the Bible also says, this is in Revelation chapter 1, verse um, 7. The Bible also says this, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he, Jesus Christ, is Lord. Why? Because they are celebrating the return of the groom to get his bride. Oh, my gosh. See, that ought to give us some some excitement. That ought to give us some celebration to go, okay, there's a preferred future. There's something that's going to take place in this entire thing that's going to give me some oomph. There's a preferred future. I don't know about you, but I look at our world today and I go, Jesus, you are the hope. You are the joy. You are coming back. And you, I long to be with you, but watch this. That's all well and good, but I think it's really lazy. It's a really lazy point of view of Christianity to go, just take me now, God. Just come back now, God. Why is that lazy? Because what we can miss, if we're not careful, is the bridge between these two. So you have the betrothal, right? Betrothal. And you have Jesus, the groom, 
what happens between these two is I'm going to call a life of commitment. Because until, from the time and from the time they become engaged to the time the, bride, the groom comes back for his bride, there's a commitment to one another. That's why Jesus says this in the Bible. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I, I will be with you in good and I will be with you in bad. I will be with you in times of triumph and I will be with you in times of sadness. Doesn't that sound an awful lot like vows today? Why? Because he's saying, I am betrothed. I am engaged. I am what? Committed to you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We have entered a covenant. We have entered a promise. We have entered a, 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 um, a contract, if you will. And I'm not walking away from that. In, in, in fact, here's what it looks like. Flip with me, if you will. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures. You can hopefully just write them down and go to them later. But if you look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 12, what does it look like to be committed? It says this. It says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God, of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. 1 Thessalonians 2, 12. Walk in a manner worthy. What does that look like? Being committed to what you said you were committed to. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, hear me today. You didn't just pray a prayer. You entered a commitment. When I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't just say, keep me out of hell. I said, I give you my life. When, when I'm a true follower of Jesus, I don't just say, give me all your things. I say, give me your heart. See, when I become committed to him, my life looks different because I may be waiting on his return, but I'm not waiting in a lazy mode. I'm waiting while working. I'm committed to him. I commit to him through the way that I work. I commit to him through integrity and character, through worship and study. I commit to him by, by committing to his kids. I commit by the way, watch this, you know how you can tell somebody's committed? By the way they live their life. See, you and I have the opportunity. It's, it's December 26th today. December 26th. We got, we got just a few days left in, in 2021. And then 2022 starts. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like if I could just get a jump start on 2022 by living a life of commitment because he's committed to me. And he's coming back, but I want to live a life of commitment. Watch this. So what does a life of commitment actually look like? Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. I'm going to write it for you as you turn there. Matthew 6. 9 through 13, because we're about to bring this thing home and land this plane. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now because he loves me so much he won't leave me and he won't forsake me. He's committed to me. He's always there for me. I want to be for him. Let's go live it out. But what does that look like? Here it goes. You ready? Matthew 6, 9 through 13 says it like this. It's the Lord's Prayer. And if you read the Lord's Prayer, 
It's Jesus teaching us how to pray. And, and there's a line. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I, want, I, would, I would challenge you to read the whole thing. I would challenge you to dig into that and figure out what God's trying to teach us. But there's something said in verse 10. And it says, your kingdom come, your will be done, watch this, on what? Earth. As it is where? In heaven. Can I give you a thought? What if the death of Jesus wasn't about getting you to heaven, but getting heaven to earth? What if it wasn't about getting you in heaven, but getting heaven in you? See, Jesus doesn't pray, your will be done and get me to heaven as fast as possible. No, he goes, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hear me today. If we really are committed to our groom, to Jesus, our Savior, he's coming back one day. Wouldn't it be smart for us to go, I'm going to live a life of getting kingdom to earth because if we really think and we really believe in how great and loving and amazing he is, how can we sit back and not commit our lives to him? If he really loves us like we say he, we say he does, how can we hold it to ourselves and not tell others? If, if we really celebrate Christmas for the reason that we say we do, how can we sit back and not make a difference in this world? How can I not love the brokenhearted? How can I not love the people that are less than? How can I only leverage him for approval rather than family? See, commitment looks different. And so why am I telling you this? Because I want us to live this life of commitment, of generously giving to the kingdom. He wants kingdom on earth. And you know how he gets it there? Us. Isn't that incredible? He uses us. He wants us. And so, yes, we're betrothed and all this stuff to Jesus. And he's gone and he's preparing a place. He's waiting on the father to tell him, son, go get your bride. And when he returns, there's going to be a celebration of his return by multiple millions of people. But watch this. Hear me. That doesn't mean I sit in my chair or my recliner and I don't do anything. It actually means that I'm so in love with my king and I'm so in love with my savior and he has so saved my life and I am so excited about what he's doing that now I'm living a life of commitment that is worthy, that, that is in, uh, uh, in the manner worthy of the God that I say that I serve and my job is to bring kingdom to earth, heaven to earth. Don't we feel honored and that's what God asks us to do and so for you and for me here's a beautiful thing there's not a prerequisite the only prerequisite is this willingness in submission will I submit my life to be committed to him and be betrothed to him and be in love with him and my savior my Jesus in such a way that I will bring his kingdom to earth and today I can't think of any better day to to go, you know what? That's me. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to take on hell with a water pistol. I'm ready to go out in this world, and I'm ready to reach my friends, and I'm ready to reach my family, and I'm ready to reach strangers, and I'm ready to do what I got to do. See, the whole thing is filling this room. is not about filling this room. It's about filling hearts and souls.
and helping people walk out the life God has for them. And so today, my prayer for you, I'm going to pray over you right now in just a moment, but my prayer for you and for me is that we would go out and we would bring heaven to earth every day with passion and with authority and with prayer and with relationship with our Father and with our Savior, King Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for the beautiful example and illustration of what it looks like to be committed to you. God, I pray that that we would not sit idly by, but we would be so in, in love with King Jesus that we would actively move, we would actively work in order to bring heaven to earth. Let us be a bride that is proud Let us be people that are proud of our Savior, excited about our Savior. God, I pray that when we show back up in this room on January the 2nd, next Sunday, that we'd be pumped up about Jesus, that we'd bring people with us because of Jesus. And God, that our lives from this day forward would never look the same because of Jesus. God, change us. And God, if there's anybody watching this right now, that doesn't know you as king and a savior. Would you move in their hearts? Would you move in their lives? And would you just allow them in this moment to pray the prayer of forgiveness and just ask you, go, God, forgive me for who I've been. Walk with me for who you're creating me to become. I give you my life, and I am different from this day forward. God, we love you, and we honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, I'm so glad you jumped on today. I believe this is a life-changing message if we'll allow it to sit in our hearts. If you prayed a prayer of forgiveness today and you asked Jesus into your life, we'd love for you to text the word CONNECT to 803-205-2487 so that we can get some information to you about how to walk that out. Church, listen, it's been an amazing Sunday. Thank you for joining us on this digital experience. I taught a little longer than I wanted to, but you are going to make a difference starting today. I love you. Let's go change the world.